This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where we have reached another milestone in the fight against COVID-19. Dr. Katanga Camino says we are nowhere near the end of this. We are still seeing to this day ongoing persisting deaths from COVID-19. The patients who have been in the hospital, been in the ICU, are still dying from this infection that they acquired weeks to a month or so ago. So this is an ongoing infection, you know, and this is an ongoing problem. And had our leadership done more about it from the beginning, we would have prevented a lot more of this morbidity and this mortality. The health department reported 139 additional fatalities from COVID Wednesday and more than 2,500 new cases. Last night was the first and only debate between the VP candidates, so Florida Democrats were lining up to attack Mike Pence before it even started. We had a president who disregarded it at every step of the way, a vice president who has bumbled his way through trying to lead a task force that has accomplished zero. South Florida Democrats are also piling on the president for saying he will not talk about another coronavirus relief package until after the election, and then apparently reversing himself during a Twitter storm that followed. What matter of man is this? He's the guy who thinks you're a sucker for working hard, paying your taxes, defending your country, and sacrificing for your family. Mean, irresponsible, reckless, incompetent, cruel. I've just run out of adjectives to describe this president's uh, behavior. We were making progress. A compromise was in sight. Then this callous, erratic president ordered Republicans to push back from the table and focus solely on ramming an ideologue onto the Supreme Court. Miami Congresswoman Frederica Wilson also has a new way to describe Donald Trump. She calls him the freeloader-in-chief. Today on the Sunrise Soapbox, you'll hear former Lieutenant Governor Jeff Kotkamp at the Florida Supreme Court. He represents one of the groups that sued over Florida's medical marijuana law and started out by paraphrasing Shakespeare. Most of us are familiar with the line from Shakespeare's Hamlet, Something's Rotten in Denmark. And when it comes to the regulation of medical marijuana in our state, it's easy to conclude that something is rotten in Florida. We'll also check out your calendar of events and check in with a Florida man who ended up in jail after firing his AR-15 assault rifle when the census man came calling. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, October 8th. It's National Fluffernutter Day and National Pierogi Day. You can celebrate both by making pierogies stuffed with marshmallow fluff and peanut butter, but I wouldn't recommend it. Florida may be in phase three of the reopening from COVID-19, but you wouldn't know that by the casualty reports coming out of the state health department. 139 names have been added to Florida's death toll. That was on Wednesday. And coronavirus has now killed 15,084 people in Florida. The state also reported more than 2,500 new infections. That increases the statewide total to almost 723,000. Vice President Mike Pence was in the spotlight last night during his debate with Kamala Harris, so Florida Democrats decided to remind us it's the VP who's running the White House task force on COVID-19. And Dr. Kayser Enerking at the University of Florida says it's been an abject failure. I was secure in the knowledge that there was a national strategy playbook that had been left in place by the Obama administration that was actually developed during the H1N1 pandemic. Um, that was handled incredibly well, and that's why nobody remembers it. Um, I was secure in the knowledge that there were a generation of scientists and dedicated public servants at the CDC who had been prepping for this for more than a generation. I was secure in the fact that the FDA is truly the gold standard for medication safety around the world. 
Um, and so I thought that we should be well prepared for this. And instead, what we find seven months later, after millions of infections, 210,000 Americans dead, the, the playbook, Mike Pence shredded to tatters, the CDC has been completely sidelined and defanged, and the FDA has its reputation in such shambles that as a physician, I have a hard time not giving a full-throated endorsement of whatever vaccine may quickly roll off the apple cart. This is an abomination. This is not the United States of America and the response that we expect from our political leaders. If we want to think about how we could have done this, I can't, I can't do any more than to reiterate that we didn't know what to do about this as we started. But we did know that empathy and modeling of behavior would have gone a long way towards having everybody in this country understand that this was a virus that we needed to defeat. And we needed to defeat it as a single United States of America. And instead, we had a president who disregarded it at every step of the way, a vice president who has bumbled his way through trying to lead a task force that has accomplished zero. And, and we have found that our supply chain has been disrupted. Our hospitals have been disrupted. And in Florida, we now have not just the 800,000 people that should have been eligible for Medicaid expansion, we now have like 1.4 million people who need access to healthcare. Dr. Anneking is running for a seat in the Florida House of Representatives now. She got into politics to try to defend the Affordable Care Act. Dr. Katanga Camino is an epidemiologist in Palm Beach County. He believes the federal response to the pandemic has actually done more harm than good. Make no mistake about it. Uh, this is a uh, atrocity, is a medical atrocity. And while we appreciate the fact that we did not know much about this pandemic when it first started, there was a lack of leadership from the very beginning to not only embrace what we did know and what we didn't know, to not only failing to act on what subsequently became uh, the easiest thing to tell people, such as wearing masks, social distancing, hand hygiene, and had that come down from leadership from our current president earlier on, when we started seeing all the patients in the hospital, it would have made a dramatic difference. And here we are now in Palm Beach County, we have 47,000 cases. Florida, we have 720,000 cases. I'm in the hospitals as I am today, every day, still seeing patients suffering from COVID-19. We are still seeing admissions to the ER, to the hospital, and in some cases, straight to the ICU because of COVID-19. And we are still seeing to this day, uh, ongoing persisting death from COVID-19. The patients who have been in the hospital, been in the ICU, are still now uh, dying from this infection that they acquired weeks to a month or so ago. So this is an ongoing infection, you know, and this is an ongoing problem. And had our leadership done more about it from the beginning, we would have prevented a lot more of this morbidity and this mortality. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen.
and we are still in the hospital, doctors, nurses, all healthcare workers facing this reality that we're still having to take care of patients who may not have, to have had this infection. They needed not to have been sick. They needed not to have died from this. And keep in mind that we have not flattened this curve. We are still seeing cases. While the cases may be subsiding slowly, this infection has not left our community. It has not left our, our cities. It has not left our state. And so it is important that we continue all the actions that we are doing, even though our current president does not believe in them. And so I spend all day telling family, friends, patients, family of patients, the need to continue everything that we're doing, because there is a good chance that this pandemic is going to roll on and continue in part because of influenza and other things that may come up this season. This may continue. And this is a totally preventable situation in the sense that we can do better if we just follow the simple rules of science as we know them right now pertaining to this pandemic. And I think that uh, Vice President Pence has failed, has failed miserably when it came to this coronavirus task force. There was no trusting in the science. There was no enabling uh, the science to do what we thought was best for it. State Senator Jose Javier Rodriguez has been on the governor's case since the start of the pandemic when Florida's unemployment system collapsed, and he is just as critical of the feds. Rodriguez says Republicans have ignored science, working people, and basic common sense by following the president's lead without question. Seven months into an unprecedented pandemic and economic crisis where they still do not have a plan, more than 700,000 Floridians are still being impacted economically by not having a job. And we're close to passing the tragic milestone of 15,000 Floridian lives lost. We have a lot of folks who are trying to find work. We have other folks who are going back to work, but in an unsafe workplace with no guidance and no help from the federal government. We have business owners who have had to go from furloughs to permanent layoffs to closing their businesses for good. You know, the United States House of Representatives did their job uh, all the way back in May, before the CARES Act uh, programs expired, uh, Speaker Pelosi in the House was ready for the next step in economic relief. And yet, at every step, the Trump administration has undermined negotiations. We need economic relief. Everybody on Main Street will tell you that uh, Trump is busy, uh, uh, you know, w with a different approach. His approach to economic relief is unfortunately erratic and self-centered, which is something that we have unfortunately come to expect from the president. His string of tweets announcing that he had instructed his team to stop negotiating for a relief package was followed hours later by recriminations directed at Congress to go ahead and pass a coronavirus relief package. Again, chaotic, erratic, uh, self-centered, not focused on delivering the relief that we need for our businesses and schools uh, to reopen as quickly and safely as they possibly can. Totally tone deaf to the needs of families struggling, whether they're out of work, uh, trying to bring employees back, trying to reopen. Um, and, you know, had Trump not repeatedly scuttled negotiations and, and on Capitol Hill, uh, we could have saved hundreds of thousands of jobs and untold lives. 
The stock market took a dive after the president announced he would no longer negotiate with the House over a new COVID stimulus bill, and it will have to wait until after the election so the Senate can concentrate on confirming his latest Supreme Court nominee. Miami Congresswoman Frederica Wilson says it's just the latest in a long list of outrages committed by Donald Trump. I've been in politics a long time, from school board to Congress, and all the time I've ever, I've never seen anything quite like this man, Donald Trump. Trump's refusal to negotiate a deal on the HEROES Act to provide relief to the American people is a total abdication of leadership and responsibility. Our nation, our state is suffering. People are losing their jobs, their homes, and their minds. What manner of man would do this? I'll tell you what manner of man would do this. The kind of man who would freeload of the American people by not paying taxes for years while trying to withhold life-saving resources from working Americans who paid their taxes. He is the freeloader in chief. It doesn't matter to him that millions of Americans are facing eviction, food insecurity, foreclosure, no money to pay bills, no money to outfit their children for school where he is demanding that they go. The freeloader-in-chief is more than happy to live rent-free in public housing with round-the-clock food service at 1600 Black Lives Matter Plaza. He feels that the Heroes Act spends too much money on food and shelter for our families. Now, every Black American and Hispanic American knows someone who died from the virus or knows someone who knows someone. And God bless all of the grieving families who lost loved ones in nursing homes and hospitals and could not even tell them goodbye. Our state has lost 15,000 people. And he's trying to abolish the Affordable Care Act as fast as he can. And the coronavirus victims will leave many people with pre-existing conditions. It doesn't matter to him that more than 753,000 Floridians are unemployed and their federal unemployment insurance has run out. We need to pass the HEROES Act now. The freeloader-in-chief is more than happy to spend $1.9 trillion of our tax dollars on tax breaks for him and his cronies while saying that it's too expensive to give $600 a week in unemployment benefits so that people can feed their children, pay their rent, and leave. What matter of man is this? He's the guy who thinks you're a sucker for working hard, paying your taxes, defending your country, and sacrificing for your family. He is a contagious man with the coronavirus who won't wear a mask and has turned the White House our house into an epicenter of the virus. He's a guy who thinks he can hold the Heroes Act hostage for your vote after the election. How absurd. As vindictive as he is, if we wait until after the election, our people won't get a damn thing. And unfortunately, he's a man who never understood who we are as a nation and never will. We're one nation. And we have values. We're good people who know when it's time to help each other. He is greedy, he's cruel, he's too small for the office of the presidency. And soon enough, we're gonna evict him from public housing, make him pay his fair share of taxes. Or his new public housing will be prison. 
The House has already passed a new COVID stimulus bill. In fact, they passed the HEROES Act twice. Broward Congresswoman Debbie Washerman Schultz says the Senate won't even hear it. As you all know, last week, uh, while the White House hid the coronavirus outbreak around the president, Democrats passed another HEROES Act to trample this virus and lift our economy. It's the second relief package we've passed since May. Let that sink in. <laughs> That's because for months, Republican Senate leader Mitch McConnell refused to act and help millions of suffering Americans. Yet we were making progress. A compromise was in sight. Then this callous, erratic president ordered Republicans to push back from the table and focus solely on ramming an ideologue onto the Supreme Court, all in his quest to overturn the Affordable Care Act. These Republicans, led by Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump, are willing to trade tens of thousands more needless deaths and millions more lost jobs just to unfairly stack the Supreme Court. It's a grotesque moral bargain that they've all made. Instead of working with Democrats to defeat this virus and get real relief to struggling Americans, Republicans are solely focused on taking health care away from millions of people amid a pandemic. But we must change that. People are hurting too much now. If you're out of work, you need to know that we will not turn our back on you. If you are about to shutter your business or lay off your employees, Democrats will not stop fighting to help you. We never left the bargaining table. We've compromised before, twice in fact, and we'll do it again if it means helping those who are hurting right now. The people of Florida feel it as much as anywhere. Airline workers all over our state are in jeopardy. Thousands of theme park workers in Central Florida face unemployment. Waiters, cooks, and hotel workers who survive, who survive in our tourist-heavy economy are all feeling serious financial pain. They need our help right now. They need it right now. We cannot wait a day longer. Mitch McConnell and Senate Republicans must work with us to get this done. Look. The White House is melting down in chaos. Trump actually panicked when he saw the stock market's reaction to his canceling talks, and he seemed to reopen the door to relief, to relief suggested that he would restart negotiations in a series of erratic, likely steroid-infused tweets. But McConnell is clearly in let-them-eat-cake mode. So Democrats are ready to get something done, and if the American people speak up and demand it, we can all save thousands of lives, slay this wicked virus, and revive our economy. And Congresswoman Donna Shalala of Miami says she cannot understand how Trump and his allies can ignore the pleas of so many people who lost their jobs, their health care, their homes, and even their hope in the midst of a pandemic. Mean, irresponsible, reckless, incompetent, cruel. I've just run out of adjectives to describe this president's uh, behavior. My district is crying for help. Families don't have food. Hospitals are going to run out of equipment. We need more funds for education and childcare, additional assistance for airline workers where thousands will be laid off. Support again for small businesses. We need to honor our heroes with assistance to our state and local governments. We need to support testing and tracing and treatment. We need to provide additional direct payments. We need to protect the payrolls. We need to ensure worker safety. There are so many things we need to do in our communities. The people that are calling my office are crying. They don't understand how a president can stand in the way of providing, of giving back their taxpayers' money, their money, so that they can survive. And now we're talking about survival. This is the meanest thing 
I have ever seen any public official ever do, to walk away from fair negotiations. We've cut these deals before to protect the people in our communities. And yet this president, sick as he may be, has walked away from helping the American people until after the election. What does the election have to do with taking care of people now? I am sick about this for my community. I see their faces every day that they need help. I'm out talking to them and crying with them. But we need to be able to say to them, we have come together. We understand our responsibilities, even if the president doesn't. Republicans need to stand up to him to protect our communities, to protect our jobs, to protect our health, and to protect our economy in the long run. More consequences of COVID. Almost 9,000 part-time union employees at Disney World who were furloughed during the pandemic will now be laid off as the theme park cuts about 20% of its workforce. Disney World has also notified the state that 6,700 non-union employees are losing their jobs as of December 4th. The end result, 15,500 people are being laid off. The head of the local union calls it devastating. The Trump boys are returning to Florida this week. Donald Trump Jr. will appear in Panama City and Tampa on Thursday. Eric Trump will appear in Jacksonville on Friday. The governor will join Don Jr. at a fundraiser in Panama City Beach Thursday afternoon. Neither Trump's son has tested positive for COVID-19 since the White House outbreak, but plenty of others have, starting with their father and the First Lady, not to mention 10 staff members at the White House or in the campaign. Next up on the Sunrise Soapbox, you'll hear about the politics of pot from a former lieutenant governor who represents a company that wants a piece of Florida's lucrative marijuana market. But first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. Predict It is like the stock market for all things politics. Instead of trading stock in companies, you're investing money into your opinions on everything from election results to how many times President Trump will tweet this week. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our podcast listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Try it today. Welcome back. Our guest today on the Sunrise Soapbox is Jeff Kotkamp, who served as lieutenant governor 10 years ago during the Charlie Crist administration. Today, Kotkamp is an attorney for Triangle Capital, which has medical marijuana licenses in Colorado and Arizona. And they're one of the groups that's challenging a 2017 law that created a regulatory structure for Florida's medical marijuana industry. The case was heard by the state Supreme Court Wednesday. Kotkamp was not the lead attorney, but he's one of those rare lawyers who can speak to the Supreme Court without using the sort of legal jargon that confuses regular people. His basic point here is that the law passed by the legislature is unconstitutional because it creates a closed market designed to benefit specific companies. Most of us are familiar with the line from Shakespeare's Hamlet, something's rotten in Denmark. And when it comes to the regulation of medical marijuana in our state, it's easy to conclude that something is rotten in Florida. Uh, the courts ask a really important question. Is the statute regulating uh, medical marijuana unconstitutional as a special law? We believe the short answer is yes. You know, the Constitution is an expression of the fundamental values of the people. And the Florida uh, citizens have said it's a fundament, fundamental right. There'll be no special laws, no, no crony capitalism. We're not allowed to use the statutes to hand out special favors to private corporations, which is exactly what has happened 
in the medical marijuana arena. I think it's really important because the current version of 381-986 refers back to the original version. You really have to look to the legislative history of how we got here in the first place, going back to the session in 2014, when we saw a uh, the night before session ended, a 15-page strike-all amendment comes up on the floor of the House. And that's the first time this idea, this special privilege, this special law came about, this idea that we're going to limit the people that can participate in this new multi-billion dollar market to nurseries that had operated in Florida for 30 or more continuous years with 400,000 or more plants. Uh, I don't know. There was obviously no public testimony, no evidence, no nexus whatsoever between the idea that if you've grown shrubs and flowers for 30 years or that you have 400,000 of them, that somehow uh, you're uniquely qualified to successfully grow and sell uh, medical marijuana. It's fairly obvious that the criteria were the license targeted specific companies. Not anyone outside that special class has ever had an application accepted by the Department of Health. No one else has ever had an application assessed. And obviously no one's uh, outside of that special select class created all the way back in 2014 has ever been issued a license. One of the licenses was given away to a company that wasn't even in operation anymore. And that's just like getting, giving them a lottery ticket. But the fact is, this whole market has been closed to anyone outside that special class created in 2014. Ultimately, our goal is to provide affordable, safe medical marijuana to patients. If we let the free market handle this, we'll achieve that goal. Kotkamp's client is one of several prospective medical marijuana operators who've intervened in the case, hoping to gain access to what will be one of the nation's most lucrative markets. The number of registered patients in Florida already exceeds 400,000, and medical marijuana licenses here have sold for upwards of $50 million. Your calendar of events today begins at 9, when the Florida Supreme Court hears arguments in a case stemming from a fatal crash in Osceola County three years ago. Also at 9, the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission continues a two-day online meeting to review proposals for next year's legislative session. The South Florida Water Management District meets online at 9. The Board of Massage Therapy meets by conference call at 9. The Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission's Algae Bloom Task Force meets online at 9. The Public Service Commission holds an online customer service hearing at 9.30 to talk about a proposal by People's Gas System to raise rates. The State Consumer Health Information and Policy Advisory Council meets online at 10. The Florida Supreme Court releases its weekly opinions at 11. Republican Fiona McFarland and Democrat Drake Buckman, who are running for an open seat in Sarasota County's District 72 for the House face off during an online meeting of the Sarasota Tiger Bay Club at noon. The Board of Nursing meets by conference call at 1.30. The trustees of Polk State College hold a retreat beginning at 2.30 in Winter Haven. The Gulf Consortium, which works on issues related to the Deepwater Horizon disaster, meets online at 3. The Florida Gateway College Board of Trustees meets in Gilchrist County at 5. And the Florida Department of Transportation holds an online meeting at 5.30 to discuss improvements along John Young Parkway and Interstate 4 in Orange County. Finally today, a Florida man is accused of threatening a census worker with an assault rifle and firing around as he was retreating. 32-year-old Michael Cooper of Bunnell told Flagler County deputies the intruder was trespassing and did not identify himself. He claimed he was in fear for his life when he got his gun. 
However, the arrest report says the victim was wearing a lanyard that identified him as an employee of the Census Bureau. He was driving a marked vehicle. The neighbors also told deputies they could clearly see the man's credentials from across the street and heard him identify himself as a census worker. Cooper claims he only fired the gun because he didn't want to bring a loaded weapon back into his house. But the lawman didn't buy that explanation. He's charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, and deputies confiscated his AR-15. That's it for this episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.